الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى ويسألونك عن الروح قل الروح من أمر ربي وما أوتيتم من العلم إلا قليلا To continue with our discussion today regarding the reason for why the Qur'an came down over 23 years and not altogether, uh, we discussed one reason in depth yesterday, which was that the Prophet ﷺ, it was for strengthening the heart of the Prophet ﷺ, that he gave an opportunity over the course of 23 years to constantly reassure the Prophet ﷺ, support him, comfort him, and uh, give, him a, uh, give him a lot of uh, strength in that way. That was much better than had it all come down at one time and then he would have to actually go back to the Qur'an each time. So this way, it was actually a fresh uh, revelation each time. So we discussed that already. And then um, there's a few other points here that we need to discuss. Uh, the second one was the, uh, the reason for it coming down over 23 years was because of the challenges that were posed, the objections, the criticisms, the questions, and so on. So that's what we were discussing. And we discussed in uh, regards to that, we discussed the final verses of Surah Yaseen, Awalam Yaral Insanu Anna Khalaqanahu Min Nutfatin, which is towards the end of Surah Yaseen, uh, which was a respo- response to Khal- uh, Umay- uh, Ubay ibn Khalaf, who uh, had a contention about uh, resurrection. So that came down specifically for that. Now, there were also other cases. For example, we know about situations where the Quraysh of uh, Mecca, they went to the Jews of Medina, Munawwara, and they asked them that, give us some questions that we can ask, because, you know, they were people of a book. The, the Jews were people of a book. So they said, give us some questions that we can ask uh, the Prophet, uh, Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and, uh, you know, test him with this. So that was a test, right? So it's really interesting. So the rabbis of the Jews, they said, ask him about three things. If he tells you, if he responds to these three and gives you an answer, then that means he is a messenger, right? So these three questions were asked and the Prophet ﷺ responded to them. The first question or the one question was about Ashabul Kahf. Who are the Ashabul Kahf? These are the sleepers of the cave. The other question was about Dhul Qadnain. Tell us the story of Dhul Qadnain. That is mentioned in Surah Al-Kahf as well, right? Um, so... The Surah Al-Kahf was revealed to answer these questions as well. These verses were there in Surah Al-Kahf for Ashab Al-Kahf and Dhul Qarnayn is mentioned in there. The third question they asked was, uh, what is the Ruh? What is the Spirit? What is this thing called the Spirit? So that, the response of that is not in Surah Al-Kahf, even though it was asked uh, in, uh, with the other two questions. It was in Yas'alunaka Ani Ruh in Surah uh, Al-Isra. That's mentioned in Surah Al-Isra, and you can, you can uh, check it up there. It's, وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الرُّوحِ قُلِ الرُّوحُ مِنْ أَمْرِ رَبِّي وَمَا أُوْتِيْتُمْ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا They ask about the Spirit, say that the Spirit is from um, the command of my Lord, and you've only been given very little information or very little knowledge. Now, there's another thing that happened on this, on this occasion which shows you the interactive nature of the revelation of the Qur'an with the Prophet ﷺ and the people around him. So what happened is that when these questions came to the Prophet ﷺ from uh, the Meccans, he said to them, I'm going to tell you tomorrow. I'll inform you of this tomorrow. 
However, he did not say insha'Allah. He didn't say insha'Allah. So now what happened is, for 15 days, no wahi came. Now this was a crucial moment. They had asked him a question. He said, I'm going to tell you tomorrow. But the, the revelation did not come. He could not respond to them. Of course, that was very difficult for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to bear. And then after that, the verse came down. وَلَا تَقُولَنَّ لِشَيْءٍ إِنِّي فَاعِلٌ ذَلِكَ غَدًا إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهِ وَاذْكُرْ رَبَّكَ إِذَا نَسِيتْ وَقُلْ عَسَىٰ أَنْ يَهْدِيَنِ رَبِّي لِأَقْرَبَ مِنْ هَذَا رَشَدًا Don't ever, don't ever say regarding anything that I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm definitely going to do it tomorrow except by saying unless Allah wills. So always say insha'Allah, unless Allah wills, if Allah wills, if Allah wills. And remember Allah when you forget. Whenever you forget, if you've forgotten, then remember Allah. And say that it is possible that my Lord will guide me. Um, uh, and, and that's how it carries on. So that was a real interaction there again. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ being told to say insha'Allah. So for 15 days for him, the revelation did not come down. Likewise, you had numerous Muslims. That it, was, it wasn't just objections from non-Muslims, but there were, there were also Muslims who had questions, the Muslim community, the Sahaba. For example, So this is, they ask, what should they spend? So uh, the response is that they should spend, um, they, they, should, they should forgive. Then they asked about, uh, They asked about, the, the moon. They asked about the moons. So the response Allah gave, قُلْ هِيَ مَوَاقِيتُ لِلنَّاسِ وَالْحَجِّ it's, it's a method uh, uh, for time, uh, for people, and for the hajj as well. It tells you. They asked about menstruation. وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْمَحِيضِ قُلْ هُوَ أَذَنْ فَاعْتَزِلُ النِّسَاءَ فِي الْمَحِيضِ This is in Surah Al-Baqarah, right? Um, they ask about menstruation, say that it's filth, and uh, you, should you should avoid women when they're in that state. That means intimacy. So, numerous times, at different times, different questions uh, were coming up. And this allowed, um, for example, if you look in the Quran, there are, you'll see verses regarding the Battle of Badr. You'll see them regarding the spoils of war. How to, uh, you know, you've got a whole surah, Surah Al-Anfal, which refers to the spoils of war, booty, right? How to how to distribute that? So that again, that was uh, came down for that those particular instances. Then you've got, uh, for example, on uh, during the Battle of Uhud, you had that setback after the initial win. You had the setback, right? So there was there's a whole set of verses regarding that to comfort the Muslims and to tell them and to give them some uh, some solace and and so on. Likewise, there's so many other things that provide a lot of. Uh, on the at the moment, you know, on the time, uh, comfort uh, uh, to the Muslimin at that time. After that, you've got the 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 slow and systematic uh, prohibition of zina. Uh, then there's vihar, uh, which is the concept they used to say in those days. If they wanted to kind of distance their wife, they used to say that you're like the back of my mother and things like that. That's discussed. Um, rules of the iddat. 
and uh, rules uh, idda which is the waiting period for women there's huge discussion about that in surah al-baqarah then there's the laws of uh, swearing oaths you'll see that at the beginning of the seventh juz as well and also in surah al-baqarah right so all of this comes down slowly slowly it wasn't just done all together likewise there's there's uh, the the ghazwa to badr uhud khandaq tabuk hunain all of these are mentioned separately they took part uh, they took place at different times and the verses then came down regarding those instances it was just so perfect some people could say that this was like the master picture a master tapestry a master building that was going to be uh, constructed or composed or painted or whatever so what happened is that these were small bits that were added over time to make it look beautiful there's various ways that people have explained this but the reality on the ground is this uh, that there were just different needs at different times, so that's one. Uh, that's another big reason for this. That's why Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, nazal." It is with the absolute truth that we have revealed this Quran, and it is with the truth that it it has come down. So that's the second one. The third one, the third reason, the third reason is a really interesting one. That the whole purpose of this Quran is to is to nurture the people, is to give them tarbiyah, is to make them a certain way, right? Uh, is to make them a certain way and to nurture them and take them away from, the, uh, from what they had been upon before, the, their harsh attitudes, their wrong attitudes, the shirk that they were, in, uh, that they were uh, involved in before. Now, if a book had just come down straight away and said, stop doing this and don't do that and this is wrong and that's right, that would have been very difficult for them to have digested altogether. So that's why... Uh, in order to give them the right mold and nurture them in the right way, both in terms of their beliefs, in terms of their actions, in terms of their sentiments, in terms of their emotions and everything like that, uh, in terms of their akhlaq and character to develop that, it's not easy to take away jealousy from somebody and then immediately put you know, uh, love and affection. It's not easy to take miserliness away. It's not easy to take hatred away. I mean, these things take time. So this is what the Quran did slowly, slowly. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, which I've read before, This is the Quran that we have brought separately. We have made separately. We've brought in bits uh, in, in different parts so that you can also recite it and read it and relate it to the people slowly, slowly. You don't have to have haste in it. You bring it down slowly, slowly. Another aspect of this, right, also which helps in this particular point is that uh, most of the people at that time were ummis, which means unlettered. They did not know how to read and write. Now imagine if a whole written corpus, right, was sent. It would have been difficult for them, right? It would have been difficult for them to have understood this. That's why it was bit by bit so that they could actually memorize it. They had an oral tradition where they would memorize things. Now if there was... 800 pages that had to be revealed at once and they had to memorize it, it would have been very, very difficult, right? Because remember, it was a very oral tradition in that time. So that's why it made it very easy for them to take it bit by bit. And that's why, mashallah, they, they, there's a number of statements uh, that have been related to them about, um, you know, the people who had studied uh, this surah and this surah because that's what had uh, been revealed until then and so on. You see, Imam Makki ibn Abi Talib says that the fact that the Quran was revealed slowly, slowly was much more conducive for them to have accepted it. Had it all been uh, revealed in one go, 
then they would have thought it's too much. Then they would have said, no, we can't do this. This is just human beings. You, go, you give them, you nurture them slowly, slowly. You tell them to do something slowly. They overcome that. And then after that, they do something else. It's just much more easy. There's too many. There, there's a lot of ahkam in the Quran. There's a lot of rules and laws in the Quran. Now, if they were all to be put together, that everything stop overnight and do all of these things uh, you know, in the next day, salat, prayer, fasting, and so on, that would have been very, very difficult. So that's another reason as well. So there was a tarbiyah, a tarbiyah that was uh, um, because they had to, it had to take them from one ruling to another, from one state to the next, from one uh, type of character to the next one. And that obviously takes, uh, takes time. It had to remove all of their bad opinions before, their bad uh, beliefs, their corrupt ideas, their shirk and everything like that. All of that had to be corrected. That's why there's a hadith that Imam Bukhari uh, rahimahullah has related from Aisha radiallahu anha which depicts this whole scenario she says that innama nazala awwalu ma nazala minhu suratun min al-mufassal innama nazala awwalu ma nazala minhu suratun min al-mufassal the first of the surahs to be revealed were one of the mufassal surahs in which one of the more detailed surahs in which there's mention of paradise and hell so the, these are surahs in which there's more discussion of paradise and hell because the whole concept of belief had to be first ingrained and established there was no point telling them to do this or to do that before that you got them onto the right belief so that's the first kind of verses that came down then she says then when people became more conducive for islam and they they um, became uh, more comfortable with it after that halal and haram um, was uh, uh, was revealed if the first thing that was revealed was, don't drink wine, لَقَالُوا لَا نَدَعَ الْخَمَرَ أَبَدًا They would have said, hey, we're never going to stop drinking. So remember in the Quran, we we'll may discuss it later, that it actually came down slowly, slowly. Likewise, if, وَلَوْ نَزَلَ لَا تَزْنُوا If it just said, you cannot um, have extramarital, uh, you cannot have extramarital relationships, right? Conjugal extramarital relationships. لَقَالُوا لَا نَدَعُ الزِّنَا أَبَدًا We would never stop promiscuity, right? So, it came down, sorry, likewise, it just took time for the obligations to come down and for the harams to be established so that they could, um, for example, uh, the jihad laws, the, the, the laws of spending on others like the wife, the children, uh, family members, the rights of women, the rights of inheritance and so on. All of this is, uh, it, this Quran came down to make the ummah khayru ummatin the best of the nations that have ever appeared for the people. And the only way to do that, or the best way to do that, was um, slowly, slowly. The fourth reason, which I've already spoken about before, so I'm just going to mention it in, uh, as, as a separate point, but I've already discussed it. It is that aside from the fact that it was there to give comfort to the Prophet ﷺ and everything else, now imagine something coming, out, coming after 23 years. You'd expect that after 23 years, it's been coming for different reasons, different occasions. When you put all of that together, it's not going to have a cohesive uh, style to it, a cohesive whole and a harmony between it. We still see that the Quran is perfect in that sense. So that shows that the concept of ijaz and the, uh, the, the inimitability and the beauty of the Quran, right, which just amazes everybody, right, is even greater because... It has, uh, it has been revealed over 23 years, bit by bit, piecemeal, but still, mashallah, when you put it together, it is perfect as though it has been revealed at once as well. 
So that was the other reason. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ أَنزَلَهُ الَّذِي يَعْلَمُ السِّرَّ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ إِنَّهُ كَانَ غَفُورًا رَحِيمًا Allah says to the Prophet وسلم, tell him that the one who revealed this Qur'an is the one who knows the secrets of the heavens and the earth and he is the most forgiving and the merciful one. So this was done under a grand plan by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it was not done uh, just randomly. Alhamdulillah, that uh, helps us to complete our session on why the Qur'an or how the Qur'an was revealed uh, altogether over 23 years. We have uh, mentioned the various different wisdoms regarding that. Now we move on to our topic for today, which is what are the first verses to be revealed and what are the last verses to be revealed of the Qur'an. This is an interesting discussion. You might say that, oh, this is just like a bit of um, general knowledge, right? That to know, hey, that's the first part and that's the last part, right? It's just a bit of general knowledge. What's the benefit of this? Actually, there's huge benefit in this for the scholars, for us in general. Uh, because in the Quran there are abrogated verses, meaning the laws of it have been now cancelled. There was another verse that came down, but that particular verse was left there. I will, uh, uh, I will mention some of them uh, to you a bit later on today, hopefully, inshallah. Right. So it's to know which surah came down later. Also, it tells us how the Quran's tarbiyah system is. If we know what came down first, what came down later, you know that how it act, uh, how it implemented certain things to start in a particular way and end. Uh, and, and, and do it in that way. So it gives us an understanding of the organization as well. So, for example, um, let us start with the first verse to be revealed. There's pretty much not much doubt at all that it is Iqra' bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq khalaq al-insana min alaq Iqra' wa rabbuka al-akram alladhi allama bil-qalam allama al-insana ma lam ya'lam That is pretty much a majority opinion is agree agreed upon that uh, it's it's agreed upon that that is what it is. This has been established from Aisha radiallahu anha as has been related in the Bukhari and transmitted in the Bukhari and the Muslim. However, there is another hadith which seems to put a bit of doubt in this and there are two or three opinions of scholars. There are other scholars who have different opinions. For example, Zamakh, Imam Zamakhshari, uh, who is the, the great, uh, um, what do you call it, uh, scholar of the Arabic rhetoric and so on, right? who was a Mu'tazili as well, he says he thinks it was Suratul Fatiha. Then after that, there is the other opinion, which is that Suratul Muddathir was the first verse, uh, was the first, uh, verse to be uh, revealed. Now, the reason why Suratul Muddathir uh, is mentioned is because there's a hadith which um, is mentioned uh, by Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim that uh, the Prophet said, I stayed in the Hira, in the cave of Hira for one month. And then when I'd finished, when I'd finished my stay there, my retreat there, I came down. I came back down to the community. And when I was in the middle of the valley, right, when I reached the middle of the valley, I suddenly was, uh, I suddenly was called out. Like my name was announced. And there's uh, lots of narrations here showing that I look right, left, etc. Anyway, suddenly it was Jibreel. He says, I saw Jibreel alayhi salam. That's the time when he saw Jibreel alayhi salam. And again, um, this 
uh, this, you can say, this fear overcame me and I quickly went to Khadija radiallahu anha and I asked them to cover me. In fact, in other hadith it says that they also, they covered me. Then it also says that they actually poured cold water over me as well. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed, Ya ayyuhal muddathir, qum fa'anthir wa rabbaka fakabbir. So that, uh, the, the, the first two verses there were, were revealed. Ya ayyuhal muddathir, qum fa'anthir. Now, some scholars some scholars they've actually said that that is the first verse however the stronger opinion is that that is not the first verse that is though the first verse that was revealed after the wahi stopped so after the initial revelation the wahi stopped for quite a long time and then after that is when this suratul muddathir was revealed so they thought from that what the hadith mentions that this was the first you know uh, coming down from the the cave now he'd already had an experience in the cave and in this discussion what is mentioned is that um, he was in the cave and he came down again now he's already experienced that in the cave already so that was the first revelation now this is the other revelation but then the story seems to be a different on a different occasion because he's already frightened in the case where he received the first revelation of Iqra, Bismi Rabbika Ladi Khalaq. Here it says that he received Ya Yuhal Muddathir and he became frightened. So this is actually talking about a separate occasion and that's fine. The Prophet used to go to the cave of Hira. He had that first experience. He came back home. They went to Waraka, which I explained the other day. And then uh, the Wahi stopped. And then on this second occasion, he would still go to the cave of Hira. Right, he would still go and stay there uh, uh, for time. In fact, they said that he would actually go and stay there generally a month, a year, which was generally in Ramadan. So he went again to stay there and on returning from there, he had this second experience, which was much later than Iqra, Bismi Rabbika Ladi Khalaq. And people maybe uh, from this, they understood that maybe this is the first revelation, but this is actually not the strongest opinion. Reason is that it actually mentions in one of the versions of this, uh, of this hadith, Right? One of the versions of this same hadith regarding seeing Jibreel Alisam again, it says, Oh, I suddenly saw the angel again that, I, that had come to me in Hira, which pretty much makes it very clear that this was a separate incident. He already had the incident in the Hira. Right? So that is the first verse. As I said, there are other views that maybe Surah Al-Fatiha is the first one. There's uh, the verse, Ya Ayyuhal Muddathir and so on. There's even some who've said, Ya Ayyuhal Muzzammil. However, Ya Ayyuhal Muzzammil, although it's very similar to Ya Ayyuhal Muddathir, because Muzzammil and Muddathir, right, they are next to one another. And probably Muzzammil comes after Muddathir. Muddathir uh, has to be the first one because it's there to tell him to start warning. Because it says, Qum fa'anthir, stand up and start uh, warning the people. Whereas in uh, in Muzzammil, the inclusion in there are, is of different contents, which shows that it's later, right? So, um, in fact, if you look at uh, many of our subcontinent Qurans, that it, at the beginning of the surahs, it has the number of surahs, it has the n the number of the surah in the Quran, right? As to what number it is, you know, fifty six, fifty seven, and it also has another number which actually denotes its revelation number as to what number it was revealed at so if you look in suratul if you go and check this out later suratul muddathir and suratul muzzammil and iqra bismi you'll see that it'll say one two and three kind of interesting information that was the first verse to be revealed the last verse to be revealed now now you see with the first verse there's going to be hadith about it and so on right because it's kind of a, a milestone first verse to be revealed there's not going to be that, oh, this was the last verse to be revealed because it was something that was just happening. So that's why 
there's not going to be probably any hadith about uh, what is the last verse. But what is the last verse? Again, there's a few opinions. I don't want to bore you with all of them. And there's lots of discussions in the books of Ulum al-Quran as to which opinion is stronger and why it's stronger and why the other ones are weak and so on. We, we don't have the time for that because this is just an introductory uh, course and uh, series on this. The strongest opinion and probably the most preferred opinion is that the last verse to be revealed of the Quran is in Surah Al-Baqarah. It's in Surah Al-Baqarah. It is... وَاتَّقُوا يَوْمًا تُرْجَعُونَ فِيهِ إِلَى اللَّهِ ثُمَّ تُوَفَّى كُلُّ نَفْسٍ مَّا كَسَبَتْ وَهُمْ لَا يُظْلَمُونَ Subhanallah, this is the last verse to be revealed. Imagine it, this was the last verse to be revealed. This had to happen after the Hajj, the farewell Hajj. After the Hajj, the Prophet ﷺ stayed alive for a few months, right? Um, less than a hundred days. And then after that, he passed away in Rabi'ul Awwal. Right, so in Dhul Hijjah is when he passed away. Now, some people actually believe that the last verse to be revealed was, "Al-yawma akmaltu lakum dinakum wa atmamtu alaykum ni'mati wa radiyatu lakum al-Islam dina." Today, al-yawm, today is the day when akmaltu, al-yawma akmaltu, lakum dinakum. Today is the day when I complete your religion for you, right? And I complete my bounties upon you as well, and I'm satisfied with the religion of Islam for you. Kind of sounds like the last verse, right? So some people think it's that. But actually, no. That was revealed in Arafah. That was revealed in Arafah in the Hajj. The Prophet stayed, away, uh, stayed alive after that. And there is, no, there, there is no proof that the Wahi and the revelation absolutely stopped you know, immediately after that. No, the revelation continued. Yes, that was a kind of a completion, a completing verse. No doubt it has a special place and it came down on a very special time as well in Hajj, in Arafah. Obviously, that's a very special time. But this verse came down later. And what this verse means, وَاتَّقُوا يَوْمًا تُرْجَعُونَ فِيهِ إِلَى اللَّهِ It's verse 281 for those who want to check it out. Verse 281 of Surah Al-Baqarah is just before the end. It's like, I don't know... Um, uh, quite a few verses just before the end of Surah Al-Baqarah. Allah says in there, fear the day when you will all be returned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to Allah, and every person will then be, every nafs, every soul will then be fully given and fully receive what it had earned, and they will not be oppressed in the least. And what's interesting is that this is referred to as Ayatul Riba. Some say that the last verse to be revealed is the verse of Riba. Now, what's interesting is that this actually comes immediately at the back of this whole discussion about the prohibition of riba, of usury, of interest. So that is why they probably thought it's that verse. But actually, this is the verse because it comes right at the end of that to warn people that you have to be concerned about a day when you're all going to go back to Allah. If you do not give up your interest and your usury, your, your, your usury and your dealings with that, then you're going to have something to fear. So this is the last verse. And this has been established in a number of ways, number of transmissions from Abdullah ibn Abbas anhu. Likewise, Abu Sa'id anhu has also mentioned the same thing. And it says that after this verse was revealed, verse 281 of Surah Al-Baqarah, uh, the Prophet stayed alive for nine more nights. And then after that, he passed away. Nine more nights and then after that, he passed away. Before that, which ends kind of the discussion on riba is, فَإِن لَمْ تَفْعَلُوا فَأْذَنُوا بِحَرْبٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ If you don't, meaning if you do not desist uh, from riba and stop doing this, then 
accept the announcement of a war from Allah and His Messenger. It's a very severe verse regarding interest. May Allah allow everybody to avoid it. Now, why this verse, وَاتَّقُوا يَوْمًا تُرْجَعُونَ فِيهِ إِلَى اللَّهِ and the verses of riba just before it, why that verse uh, is the last verse of the Qur'an? Well, because all of that is to do with wealth, and wealth is a major asset of the human beings. It's a lifeline for people to live their life by. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that, look, be careful of wealth, be careful of your money. Make sure that you don't earn the money in the wrong ways, especially through usury, which is a very abusive way and an abusive system. And the world is suffering because of that today, right? The world is suffering the inflations and all of these downturns and all of um, the recessions and everything comes because of this. Why can't things just be the same price throughout? You know, why does it have to be inflated every year? So anyway, that's another economic discussion which we don't want to have today. Now, let us move on to the next, next discussion regarding this, which is, there's a number of other firsts in the Qur'an, meaning the first verse regarding a certain subject, a certain topic. There's that discussion. And again, this is important because it's nice to know what came down first and how it then came down. So, um, the ulama have, uh, com there's numerous uh, discussions about this in the books of Ulum al-Qur'an, about the first verses regarding different aspects of the Qur'an. So, for example, let's give you a few of them at least. These are a few general knowledge, um, th th some general information about the Qur'an that we should know, right? So, the first complete surah to be revealed in the Qur'an, right? Does anybody know which that one is? The first complete surah. Remember, Iqra' bismi, only the first few verses. Ya'il muddathir, only the few verses came down, not the whole surah. The surah came down later, right? So, the first surah to be revealed in its entirety was Surah Al-Fatiha. There's also opinions that Surah Al-Fatiha was, uh, was actually revealed twice, right, for different occasions. But regardless of that, it was not the first Surah to be revealed completely, but it was definitely the first entire Surah to be revealed in one go. Meaning, it was not the first of the Qur'an to be revealed, but it is the first complete Surah to be revealed. Then, in terms of uh, jihad, the first verses, there's numerous verses in the Qur'an. The first verses were أُذِنَ لِلَّذِينَ يُقَاتَلُونَ بِأَنَّهُمْ ظُلِمُوا وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى نَصْرِهِمْ لَقَدِيرٌ It has now been permitted for those who've been fought against, it is now permitted for them to... Uh, now, it, now the permission has been given to them to respond because they have been oppressed. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's absolute capability to assist and defend them. This is in Surah Al-Hajj verse 39 to 41. It's the first verse regarding uh, Surah, uh, regarding Jihad, right? And this actually was revealed in the, the, the second year, uh, the second year of Hijrah. The first verse then regarding intoxication wine is in Surah Al-Baqarah. يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْخَمْرِ وَالْمَيْسِرِ قُلْ فِيهِمَا إِثْمٌ كَبِيرٌ وَمَنَافِعُ لِلنَّاسِ They ask you about intoxicants and gambling, right? Say that in it is a huge sin, though there's some benefit in there. So that's why things like brandy and so on, there's certain medicinal benefits that they use it for. So there may be some specific benefits in there, but the sin of it is too huge. So 
you know, you can't argue with these things. You can't argue saying that there's some benefit in that. That's why we do it. That's the only reason we're doing it for. It's still a sin. So that was what was initially revealed. And many Sahaba, they stopped drinking. You know, initially people used to drink. Ali radiallahu anhu used to drink. This was in the beginning of Islam. When this verse came down, they, uh, some of them understood it and they said, oh, okay, there's, we, we need to avoid. Then after that, uh, another verse came down, which was, La taqrabu salata wa antum sukara. Don't go too close to prayer when you are drunk. I mean, the first part of the verse is, La taqrabu salat. Don't go close to prayer. If you just read that, it's like, hey, why is the Quran telling us not to pray? It says, Wa antum sukara, while you're in the state of intox, in, while you're in an intoxicated state. So again, then there was a, a case where Ali radiallahu anhu had an issue with Hamza radiallahu anhu because uh, the, um, the, the, he was drunk, uh, one of them was drunk. And then after that, eventually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just finally reveal, revealed the absolute prohibition. So the second, the second phase was that it was not allowed to drink before prayer. You could still drink, but not before prayer. And then eventually the th third stage was completely forbidden. So this is what came down. But the first verse was this verse of Surah Al-Baqarah. The last verse in which women were mentioned, right? Specific ruling about them or women were mentioned is in Surah Ali Imran at the end. فَاسْتَجَابَ لَهُمْ رَبُّهُمْ أَنِّي لَا أُضِيعُ عَمَلَ عَامِلٍ مِّنْكُمْ مِّنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى بَعْضُكُمْ مِّنْ بَعْضٍ So their Lord uh, answered them and responded to them that I'm not going to make futile the action or the deed of any person who does anything from among you, whether he's male or female. And uh, so the male and female has been mentioned here. I can go on with a list of this. They say that the last, so the first complete surah that was revealed was Surah Al-Fatiha. What is the last complete surah to be revealed? Does anybody know? This is an easy one actually. There's a famous hadith about this in which Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu began to weep when he heard this. Does anybody remember? إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ وَرَأَيْتَ النَّاسَ يَدْخُلُونَ فِي دِينِ اللَّهِ أَفْوَاجًا That was the last surah in its entirety. It's a small surah, obviously, because it is after the conquest of Makkah. Some of the benefits I've already mentioned of why this happens uh, is obviously to understand if there's an abrogated verse, what's the newer verse, and then of course to also understand the methodology of the Quran of how it helps uh, people and how its uh, complete tarbiyah and its da'wah was of what it started with and how it uh, then moved that on and its evolution. Now let's move into the order of the verses of the Quran. Why are the verses ordered in a particular way? Who put that order in? Why isn't one verse before the other? Why can't you change that? Firstly, let us understand what the, what the verse, what ayah means and the concepts of ayah and the concept of surah. Right? So what exactly does that mean and why has the word ayah been used? Because if you look at the word ayah, literally speaking, linguistically speaking, right? Allah uses it in its linguistic form in the Quran. Allah says, Inna This is in Surah Al-Baqarah verse 248 regarding um, uh, Talut, right? So it says that the sign of his sovereignty and kingdom is that this ark will come to you. Alright? So ayah means a sign. Why have the verses been called a sign? That's why there's some 
some translators, they actually don't like to translate ayah of the Qur'an as verses. Because verse means something different, linguistically speaking, to what ayah means in Arabic. I don't have a problem with it because obviously we understand what a verse is, that it's, it's a sentence, right? It's a, it's a clause, it's a phrase, and that's fine. We're using it in that meaning. So ayah, though, is called ayah, right? So the reason it's called ayah is because every verse of the Qur'an is a proof, is a sign, is a sign, because that's, that's what it means, is a sign on the truthfulness and the veracity of the one who has related it, which is the Prophet And every ayah is a sign of the inimitability of the Qur'an, that when you put three verses together, they become inimitable and unchallenged. So that's why it's called ayah, right? Rather than a jumla, which means a sentence or a phrase or something like that. Likewise, let us look at surah now. The word surah comes from the concept of sur, right? And sur means a boundary, a wall. Generally, they refer to surul balad as the boundary walls of a city, like olden cities used to have these, um, these walls around it, right? Protective walls. That is a sur, generally. Surul Madina, they say, right? Another meaning of it, it means high status. Sur refers to high status. So why are surahs in the Quran? Why, you know, we call them chapters in English. Why are they call surah, sur? Well, because they are a boundary that, that, de- that bring together the verses inside. That's why the technical definition that the ulama have given for a surah is Qur'anun yashtamilu ala ayin dhawati fatihatin wa khatimatin wa aqalluha thalathu ayat. This is that section of the Qur'an which comprises of a number of verses which have a beginning and an end. So it has a beginning of the, the surah and it has an ending of the surah but the minimum of it is three verses. So a surah has to be three verses and as we know the smallest surah in the Qur'an which is الْأَبْطَرْ, is also three verses. Now, the reason, obviously, is because it encapsulates and it encompasses a number of verses. That's why it's called a sur, like a boundary as such. So it's a really interesting name. And also the other reason is that they're elevated and lofty and they're, uh, they're venerated. So that's why, that's another reason why they call sur as well. Why was the Qur'an revealed in verses and surahs? Why not just in one long, you know? Well, obviously, people speak in verse, uh, people speak in sentences people break it up you know you don't speak in just one long sentence of you know two pages or something like that or a you know uh, for 10 minutes you obviously speak but then why in surahs then like we can understand sentences but why surahs why do they have 114 chapters and then of different sizes why couldn't it just be one whole beginning to the end no separation of chapters now remember the the 30 chapters of the quran Right, where you see the 30 chapters, Alif, Lam, Mim, Sayyakul, and so on, that's a later development. That was not the end of the time of the Prophet. Okay, that was done later. However, the surahs are there from before. The surah came down, the Prophet refers to surahs as well, right? Refers to them as surahs. So, some of the benefits of having the Quran split up into surahs, for example, Imam Zamakhshari, Rahimahullah, he says that one of the benefits of it is, there's many benefits, one of them is that generally you've got a surah generally encapsulates a certain idea. For example, if you look at Surah Al-Hadid, right, which is not a small surah, it's about seven pages or so on, and so on. 
It's speaking about Iman. It's speaking about uh, Iman and Kufr and Nifaq especially. It's speaking about spending in the path of Allah and it's speaking about um, the concept of light, especially on the Day of Judgment and those who don't have, uh, you know, anything will not have any light on that day. So it encapsulates right from the beginning to the end one theme, a major theme or several themes that are collected together. So that's one of the reasons that you've got these separate chapters that talk about different themes together. Another thing which is more of a, you can say, a psychological benefit, which is huge actually. Imagine if you had the whole Qur'an, right? And you had to start reading. There would be no milestones. It would just be pages basically. There would be no milestones. Oh, I finished this. I've memorized this much. Nowadays, you can actually say, hey, I've memorized two surahs of the Qur'an. I've memorized Baqarah. Well, actually, you start off by saying, I've memorized Fatiha. That's what people do. They first memorize Fatiha or I've memorized Surah Al-Ikhlas. My child has mem memorized 10 surahs of the Qur'an. Now, what would they say? 10 pages, maybe they would have said otherwise, if there was nothing. So it gives this psychological boost. It gives you a vigor that, hey, I've done this much. I've got this much to go. That's why uh, even among the Sahaba, there's a hadith from Anas radiallahu anhu. It says that uh, when a person in those days would have properly read Surah Al-Baqarah and Surah Ali Imran, then he would become really, really respected among us. If he studied Surah Al-Baqarah and Surah Ali Imran, now what that means is they don't, they don't just memorize it, but they actually understand its application and they bring it into practice. Like somebody can say, Surah Al-Baqarah, I've actually put it into practice. I've learned it, I've understood it and everything, all the rules, the laws, the, 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 the encouragement, everything in there I've put into practice. So that was one of the benefits uh, as well. Now, where did the order of the surahs come from? Order of the verses and the surahs. Who made that up? Did the Sahaba, those who used to write the revelation, did they just put that together? Because as you know, we've been mentioning that the Quran did not come down and was not revealed in the way that we see it today. Surah, uh, surah Iqra' Bismi was the first one. Uh, Muddathir, those verses. Verses, Surah Al-Baqarah had the last verse uh, that was ever revealed is in Surah Al-Baqarah. Surah Al-Fatiha was not the first surah to be revealed. So then who put it like that? So Abu Ja'far ibn Zubayr says regarding this, I mean, it's quite clear. There's a concept, I'll, I'll bring a, te a terminology, don't get too confused. They say that the order of the verses in the, in the surahs is definitely tawqifi. Tawqifi means that it is dependent upon what was revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, through Jibreel to the Prophet This is also a divine order. This is not something made up. The verses of each surah is an agreement that it is divine. Right? There may be other views, but that is the strongest view that it is divine. In fact, I think there's an agreement on here, there's a consens consensus on this that it's agreed upon. Right? There's always some views about other things, but in this case, it looks like there's a consens consensus of both the early and the later scholars that all the ayahs, the verses inside the surahs are from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exactly that way. And the Sahaba just continued that. The Prophet ﷺ told them where to put it. Jibreel ﷺ would mention to the Prophet ﷺ, and there's no doubt about this to anybody. That's why Abu Ja'far ibn Zubayr says, Tartibul ayat fi suwariha waqi'un bi tawqifihi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa amrihi. The order of the verses in its surahs have occurred according to the Prophet ﷺ uh, stating it to be that way and his command that way. Min ghayri khilafin fi hadha bayn al-Muslimin. There's no difference of opinion um, among the Muslimin about this. 
Qadi Abu Bakr al-Baqillani, one of the early scholars uh, on this subject in his Al-Intisar, he says, Tartibu al-Ayat amrun wajibun wa hukmun lazimun. The order of the verses is a necessary matter to keep it that way and it is binding. It is a binding judgment. You can't mess around with them. You can't change it around. You can't say, oh, that was revealed first. Let me bring that first, right? Because Jibreel Ali, he then says, because Jibreel Ali used to actually tell the Prophet Sallallahu That verse, put it in that place. Because remember, it was over time. The whole Surah Al-Baqarah did not come down together. So you had to tell him, put this one there and this one there and this one there. Many, many ahadiths that talk about this to such a degree that there would be, you can say, tawatur, like a contiguous, uh, continuous uh, message through the hadith that tells us that the that this order is necessary from the Prophet For example, we'll just give you a few examples about these, some of these hadith. There's a hadith which Imam Bukhari has related from Abdullah ibn Zubayr right? He says that I said to Uthman later on, when Uthman was probably gathering the Quran, I'm assuming he asked him then, right? That وَالَّذِينَ يُتَوَفَّوْنَ مِنْكُمْ وَيَذَرُونَ أَزْوَاجًا now this is in Surah Al-Baqarah, this one is verse 240. There's another similar verse to it before which is This is actually speaking about those women whose husbands have passed away, the widows. How long is their waiting period and their iddat? Four months and ten days in that verse. But in this verse, which is verse 240 of Surah Al-Baqarah, it says that those husbands who have passed away, right, who are passing away, they should make a wasiyah, they should give a bequest that their wife, their widow, will be allowed to live in the house for one year. Wasiyatan li azwajihim mata'an ilal hawli ghayra ikhraj. They should not be thrown out of the house. That was the original command. That is what they used to do initially. But the other verses came down later, which abrogated this, that they can only stay now, for, they, they uh, no longer, they actually now get a part of the mirath. If they have children, then they would get one-eighth of the estate. If they don't have children, then they get one quarter of the estate. So that was uh, the cancellation factor, right, for this being allowed to stay for one, uh, for one year. Now they get the mirath, they can do whatever they want with that mirath. That is from Sahih al-Bukhari. Then you've got another hadith which Imam Muslim and Imam Ahmad have transmitted from Umar radiallahu anhu. He says, مَا سَأَلْتُ النَّبِيَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ شَيْءٍ أَكْثَرَ مِمَّا سَأَلْتُ عَنِ الْكَلَالَ I used to constantly asking him about the kalala. Kalala is uh, an inheritance case, right, of somebody who dies without leaving too many people. There's a bit of difference of opinion about that. Until حَتَّى طَعَنَ بِإِسْبَعِهِ فِي صَدْرِ I would constantly ask about this when eventually the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he poked me in, in, in the chest and he says يَكْفِيكَ آيَةُ الصَّيْفِ أَلَّتِي فِي آخِرِ النِّسَاءِ Sufficient for you is the verse of the Saif which is at the end of Surah An-Nisa and exactly that's where, uh, that's where that verse is. The last verse of Surah An-Nisa is about the inheritance of the Kalala. Right? So the Prophet Sallallahu knew what he was talking about, that look, it's the last verse there. There's another hadith which Imam Ahmad has uh, transmitted from Uthman ibn Abil As. He says, once I was sitting with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he suddenly lowered his head and he straightened it, and then he said, Jibreel Islam has come to me and he's told me that I should put this verse in that particular place. Inna Allah ya'muru 
bil innallaha ya'muru bil adli wal ihsani wa ita'i dhil qurba until the end he told me to put in that place this shows you that the prophet was actually being told what to do and there's numerous other ahadith about this and we uh, there's ahadith which tell us which actually name the name the verses by where they occur for example the prophet said that the khawatimu suratil baqarah the final verses of suratul baqarah are uh, they're, they're sufficient for you so he actually he actually referred to them as the last verses then for example we've got the hadith many of you must have heard today's friday right so inshallah we can act upon this whoever memorizes the first 10 verses of suratul kahf they'll be protected from the dajjal in another version version it says the last 10 verses right hadith by imam muslim the, the, the first 10 verses, in another version, it says the last 10 verses. Now, if the verses were not fixed, then what would that be? Right? So it shows that the verses were fixed. Um, uh, uh, the, the verses were fixed. So we have uh, the, other, the other thing was that um, the Prophet, you know, after the Quran is being revealed and so on, the, the Prophet was actually reciting the surahs in his, in his salat, right? The whole surah. In fact, the Prophet ﷺ nearly always recited entire surahs in his Quran, right? Hardly ever, uh, I can't recall if he recited anything else, but he generally recited whole surahs in the Quran. And that also shows you that the surahs were complete and there's no doubt about this. Um, I've belabored this a bit because there's always doubts being created about the Quran and so on, so forth. So now you know the order and you know the evidences. Inshallah, tomorrow we'll finish off with the ordering of the surahs of the Quran. So we've just dealt with the ordering of the verses within the surahs. Tomorrow we'll finish off, inshallah, with the order of the surahs themselves, of how, why Suratul Fatiha is first and Baqarah is afterwards. Inshallah, we'll discuss that tomorrow. Jazakallah khair. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah khair for listening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you. And if you're finding this useful, you know, um, uh, as they say, do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.